Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter three, but if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, raise your hand real quick. We'd love to come bring you one that you could borrow or keep. But if you don't like own a Bible, we'd love for you to keep it. But you can also go to the Bible app. The Bible app is a free app. It's great. It's called the YouVersion Bible if you don't have it already. But if you do, if you click on the more tabs and events, we will, uh, all the notes and scripture will be there. And I found myself lately doing both. I have a paper Bible that I've been reading, but I've been also doing a Bible reading plan with some of my friends. And it's been great to kind of break down scripture and devos together and stuff. So I, I recommend both uh, or either or. But uh, if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're here. I know some of you told me that you're going to be at the cabin. So good to see you. Glad that you're here with us. I love that you guys are here with us. And I'm so excited that we're continuing in this series called Even If. But I, uh, I felt kind of compelled by God to do like a mini message before we went in the message. Because I don't know about some of you, but maybe you were like me and I was raised in Lutheran church. In Lutheran church, you stood up, you sat down, you stood up, sit down. Uh, but it was quiet, reserved, you know, and things like that. You'd kind of repeat, you know, what was written in the book. And then I started going to a different church where I heard people say, amen, and yeah, and come on. And I was like, huh, okay. And I didn't think anything of it. And I just, I started doing it. But, you know, before I started doing it, I thought, this is just what weirdos who want attention do. But the more and more I went to different churches, I saw people, amen, stand up, point, which I do now too. I, I don't know what that is, but I just wondered like, okay, is there some truth behind this? Is there a reason people are saying amen over and over and over again? And, and I find that there is. And, and actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So Jesus in the very embodiment of God's faithfulness, for God has fulfilled and continues to fulfill all of his promises through him. And it kind of reminds me of the promises that this, these two little girls are talking about. There's a story of these two little girls and one of them has pennies in her hand and she tells the girl she has 10 pennies. But she opens up her hands and she goes, you don't have 10 pennies, you only have five. She goes, that is true, I only have five, but my dad promised me five, so I have 10. So she was already walking in the promises she had, even though she couldn't see it. But why say amen to God's promises? Well, amen means so be it, or let it happen. I mean, think about it, why we say amen at the end of prayers. What we're doing is prayers is we're taking truths, promises, hopes, and we're praying it and we say, and we say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So what we're saying is those truths and those promises, I want that. So let it happen in my life. So that's what the amen means. It means, hey, ooh, I like that and I want that. So amen, let it be in my life. And that's why if you ever hear pre preachers go, amen, or can I get an amen, or come on somebody, it's not them trying to get attention. 
Well, I mean, not I, the ones I know. But what it is is, hey, I just spoke a truth. I just spoke God's word. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want it to go in one ear and out the other. And so when he says, can I get an amen? He's saying that promise, that truth, I, so be it in your life. Let it happen in my life. So now that we have understanding of amen, and I know for some of us, you're like, wait, are you going to want us to do amens? Uh-huh. Because it's, it's not for me as much as it is for you. But here's what something God challenged me to. When I said to the preacher, say, can I get an amen or amen? I'm not comfortable with that either. But in the backstage, God goes, I want you to start doing that though. Because you just said why they do it. So why aren't you doing it? So with that being said, I'm hoping that going forward when you hear truth, you're not as shy or intimidated to say amen, especially when we need the word applied to our lives. Amen? All right, so let's jump into Philippians chapter three. I'm gonna read 11 verses, but it's all gonna make sense. Starting in verse one, it says this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those manipulators who say, you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human efforts. Verse 4 says, Though I could have confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Verse 5 says, I, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I had discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The title of my message this morning is, Even If I Need to Make an Exchange. Can we pray? Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word that honestly changes our hearts and minds. Lord, there's things in your word when I read them, I go, whoa, wow, thank you. And so Lord, I pray that we would dissect this word, we'd study this word, and we'd apply this word to our lives. Lord, I pray that there would not be one thing taught today that we wouldn't take out into this world. We believe you're gonna do amazing things, Lord. Help us be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the question I want to ask you this morning by show of hands isn't 
how many of you made an exchange? Because the reality is probably all of us have made an exchange at one point in our life, if not one point this week. They actually said that 16% of everything purchased will be returned. That's not the question I have. The question I have is, how many of you have gotten the wrong item, the wrong order, the wrong meal, and instead of returning it, instead of saying, you know, this isn't mine, we just keep it. Okay, cool. I mean, for a second, you guys took a while to raise your hands. Like, am I the only one? But it's the truth, isn't it? There's times that we will keep something that we weren't supposed to keep. And we have good reasons. We'll say things like, you know, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want them to spit my food. So I'll just eat this. Or we'll say things like, you know what? I like the surprise. I think it'll fit. Or, you know, it's kind of what I wanted anyways. I mean, if you take away a couple of things and, and we'll try to convince ourselves that this is what we wanted. But the truth is, it's something we were never meant to keep. And Paul is talking to us in a very similar portion of scripture. See, at this time, he, he's reminding them that this group of Jews that are going around and they're trying to convince people that there's an additional requirement to your faith. That he's saying that, that you need to have salvation comes through faith and circumcision. And this was really starting to bring some, uh, just some weirdness and some unknown things in the scriptures of people. I don't know what to believe. Am, am I supposed to do more than what the word says? And, and it really frustrated Paul because Paul saw this movement happening. And now these people are coming in and they're trying to distort it. And what I love is there's a portion of scripture where he gets kind of like cocky, in my opinion. He just is like, if we want to talk about like accolades, we want to talk about good works. I'm the best at it. Like he says in the scriptures, you want to talk about circumcision? I did it as a baby. Eight days in, circumcised. He then goes on and says he was a born in the tribe of Benjamin. I love the scripture says a Hebrew better than anyone. He then says he was a devout Pharisee. He knew the law. He was like, he was devoted to the law. He had it memorized. This is nothing to him. But he's found something since finding Jesus. And, this, and, and he found that salvation is not gained through status. It's not gained through accolades. It's only gained through him. And, and he says in verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So Paul is telling the church that, hey, I've accomplished a lot of things. I've done a lot of great things in the name of God, but it doesn't compare to what Jesus has done and what Jesus continues to do in our lives. And I know some of us, we've accomplished a lot of good things. We've done, we've been raised in the church. We've been very consistent. You're here in the summer. I mean, look at that. That's a look at God moment right there. Like, Pastor, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's pretty nice outside right now, but I'm here. And we could say we've done all these things. You know, I've lived a life. I'm, I'm not cussing. I'm not drinking. I'm not smoking. I'm not chewing. I'm not hanging out with folks who are doing, I don't know if that's right. I've heard Pastor say it once. And even though we've done so many great things, Paul's like, that's great. Me too. But we still need to make an exchange. We still need to release what was never meant to be held on to. So if you're taking notes, I think there are four things that we need to exchange to walk in the value of knowing Jesus. 
Four things if you're taking notes, this is number one. We need to exchange our works for knowing him. Verse eight says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. So our works, our achievements, even the things we've done in the name of God for the sake of the church, they're great, but they're worthless when compared to knowing Jesus. And now you have to understand, knowing Jesus isn't like, oh, I found out Jesus' favorite color and he really likes spaghetti. Like it's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. Meaning I know Jesus, I want to be intimate with Jesus. I want him to be in my everyday. I don't wanna just know about him, I wanna know him. I wanna have moments in my prayer time where I say, God, help me to know you more. Speak to me even when I don't wanna hear it, amen? Even when I don't want to hear you say, I need to stop and start doing things. But I want to know you. I want you to be a part of my life. That's why prayer and worship is so huge. And it goes beyond just singing and saying a script. It's that intimate moment with God. When we lift up our hands, we don't lift it to air out our armpits. We lift our hands up to say, God, I surrender all to you. My life, my shortcomings, my everything is yours. Jesus said it in John chapter 17, verse three. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Eternal life, life unending happens and starts. I said this a couple weeks ago. Eternal life isn't for later. Eternal life starts now, amen? It starts with knowing intimately him from here on out. And so knowing Jesus isn't just understanding, it's understanding, it's accepting, and it's surrendering to it. And when you make the exchange of your works to knowing him, it will cause you to make time for a relationship. That you're gonna go beyond checklists and completing things. Again, I'm not against checklists and completing things. I know some of you guys are like, okay, good. But the reality is when we focus on the completing and not the commitment and not the comfort, and not the covenant of being with him. We'll just get it done and get it out of the way. But for some of us, we need time with God. If you could talk to your girlfriend for the, on the phone for more than 40 minutes, you gotta give God 45. Amen. I'm just saying, thank you. Like, just let's be real. Pastor Jessica talked about sometimes we'll go to other things before God. So if I need to give God time to be intimate with him, I'm gonna do it. Can we be real? Do you think I like getting up at six in the morning? No, but I love him more. Like I love him more to where I'm gonna give you time. And even today, I'm gonna be real with you. Today, I grab my Bible, I put it on my head. There's nothing, it's just I did this. And I said, God, I'm, I'm tired, but I wanna know your word. So Lord, speak to me in your word. Because I don't wanna just read it to get it done. I don't want to just highlight to highlight it. I want his word to speak to me. I want to know him. Here's number two. We need to exchange our past for his position. Now I was talking about accolades and achievements and, and some of you guys got nervous because you're like, I ain't got none of that. Like, like, you don't understand like the stuff I did right before I came in this door. Like some of you really believe that you were gonna, the, the church was gonna fall apart when you came in. Like some of you guys really believe that. And it's, here's what's funny is some of us will, will, will be guilted by our past, but also walk proudly in our accomplishments. But here's what Paul says, for the sake I have discarded everything else, 
counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So what he's saying is, it doesn't matter what your past is. It's garbage. It doesn't matter what you did in the name of Jesus. It's garbage in compared to being one with him. Here's what I love. I, the, the scripture says that Jesus is the door. But here's what I believe when I read this scripture. That some of us sometimes like to bring things into Jesus. Jesus, look at all this good stuff I did for you. And he goes, hold up, hold up, what are you doing? I, I, I'm bringing this in. He goes, nuh-uh, I don't need that. It's garbage. I, I believe there's a trash can by the door of Jesus where he's like, throw it away. Here's why. God wants you to come in hurt, burdened, hurt, wounded, but surrendered and go, okay, now let me move in you. Yeah, come on. No, 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 no. That's all right. I want to move in you. I want to burst things in you to give you a word that matches with my word, to give you a power that goes with my power. I want to do things in you and so that you'll go out with things that I've birthed out of you. He doesn't want your works. He wants to produce works out of you. And so being one with him, here's the great thing about being one with him. Everything we've heard about Jesus now lives in us. We just sang about it. The resurrection from the dead now lives in us. Amen? Amen. Like we got to believe that. Like every time we struggle, every time we want to give up and we say, there's no point there. I might as well quit now. No, 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 no. You have resurrection power living in you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we go, oh God, it's easier said than done. Yeah, that's why we have to be one with him. We got to get out of the way of what he needs to do in us. Here's another one. The wisdom that baffled the Pharisees that we see in scriptures, every time they try to trick him, every time they try to get him to do or say something that would contradict scripture, like he would always come back with something and they're like, whoa, this dude's deep. That wisdom lives in us. Come on. How about another one? He's on the boat. Storm comes. He's sleeping. Disciples come over and go, don't you even care about us? <laughs> We're gonna die. He gets up. He says, be still. Wisdom wave stops. He's like, I'm going back to bed. And the disciples say, who is this man that the winds and the waves obey him? Those winds and waves that obey God lives in us. There you go. Come on. Because that's what we have to understand. We need to stop walking in our weakness and our failures and our hurts and start walking in his power and his wisdom and his ability to do the impossible because it lives in us and it's for us. And here's the great thing about it. That's why we need to make the exchange because some of you are hesitant because you go, I don't know if that's in me. You don't understand what I've done. It doesn't matter. It's garbage. It doesn't matter. We can come to Jesus and go, look at all these great things I did for you. He's cool. I want to do things in you, not out of you. So leave that here. Let's do work together. Same goes when you have your head down. You're like, God, don't even look at me. I mean, if you knew the things I thought, and he goes, I do. If you knew that, yeah, I do. But let's get some work done. So we're going to exchange our past for his position. Number three, we need to exchange our righteousness for his righteousness. Here's why this is so important. It says in, in, uh, in 
verses eight and nine, I no longer count my righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right within himself depends on faith. This is so important because for some of us, we're gonna accept salvation. We're gonna give our lives to Jesus and he's gonna give us a new life that like, it's just, it's gonna be crazy. I've already heard some of your testimonies of what God's doing in your life. But what happens is, if you're like me and you're giving your life to Jesus and you're a new creation, you're like, man, this is the best. We feel like we owe Jesus. He went to the cross for us. He lived a sinless life. God, I'm gonna do things for you. And God goes, that's cute. I don't need that. I wanna do things in you. I don't need you to do things for me. I wanna do things in you. Here's what Isaiah 64, six says. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteousness, our good deeds, our accolades, they're all like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Now, if you study this phrase and if you have kids in the room, that's, this is why we love kids ministry, but you know, I'm just gonna, yep, maybe you wanna do this real quick. So a filthy rags is not like a rag you put in the back of your head and you're like, yeah. What the scripture actually is saying is our righteousness is like filthy menstrual rags, which is interesting in Old Testament times, if you guys know, when, when women went through that period, they had to separate there was a tent they had to be separate. So what is that telling us? Our righteousness does not get us closer to Jesus. It actually separates us from Jesus. So we could be trying to do all these things for him. And he's like, I don't want that. In fact, it frustrates me that you're still trying to work out your salvation with you and you. Where I'm saying you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear that I am the true God and you're being obedient to my call. I don't need you to impress me. I want you to surrender to me. Skip Heising said, true righteousness can't be produced. It must be provided. So how do we get righteousness? It's through faith. Now I know some of you guys right now, because I was the same way. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I believe in James that says that faith without works is dead. Speak on that, pastor. That is true. James chapter two, verse 26, it does say, just as the body is dead without breath, also, faith is dead without good works. But here's what we have to understand. Faith is dead without good works. Faith has to be the first thing. Again, God doesn't want our good works to produce our faith. He knows that our faith will produce good works. Our faith, when, he is, when we are one with him, when we are close to him, when we surrender to him, and when we have faith in him and him alone, which I didn't think I had to say that, but I'm gonna say that, in him alone. Meaning Jesus is the only savior. He is the only God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the only one I serve. Come on, that's all right. He's the only one. And so when I surrender to that, I allow him to birth works, to birth deeds in us. Which the question might be, well, how do we know if I'm living in my righteousness or his righteousness? I think it'll change in the way you speak. Here's, here's what I mean. When I used to walk in my righteousness, I used to call myself a spiritual hall monitor. I'd go around and tell people what they were doing wrong. Hey, you need to stop cussing. Hey, stop watching that. Hey, stop looking at that. You need to stop, 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 stop. But when I surrendered to his righteousness, 
Then I start to speak out what he's telling me to start and stop doing. Yeah, I, I can't do that anymore. It's fine if you, I can't, I can't watch that. I can't look, I can't talk like that. I can't think that way. Not that I'm better. It's just God speaking to me. And sometimes when we walk in that position, we don't need to tell anyone they need to do. Because all they need to see is when we're obedient to God on what we're doing and not doing, they go, all right, maybe I need to start being obedient to God too. Again, not following the actions, following the heart. Following the heart over the actions. It reminds me of that scripture that says, do not judge unless you want to be judged. It says, don't look at the speck in someone's eye and you're missing the plank in yours. That is what my righteousness and his righteousness is. My righteousness ignores the plank and looks at other people. His righteousness goes, there's a plank in my eye, guys. I need to get it out. And God, what do I need to do? What are the steps? What do you need from me? And can I tell you, removing things from your eye, if you never had something removed from your eye, it's not fun, but necessary. And there'll be things that God's gonna speak to you when you're in alignment with him, when you're in right standing with him, when you're in his righteousness, that you're gonna go, I don't like this. But man, I want you more than anything else. There's something he told me this week that I was like, oh, did I hear you right on that? Did I hear you right on that? It was a giving thing. He actually told me to give me more than I wanted to give at the time. I'm just like, I don't want to give that much. I, and here's the thing. I'm not, out of, I'm not out of what the word says. I'm giving 10%, but God goes, I want you to give more. And he gave me a number and I was like, that's a number. And he was funny. I went to Shelby in hopes that she'd be like, did, it say, did God say that? But you know what Shelby said? She goes, do what he says. And I'm like, all right. Now, here's the thing. Now, some of you guys are like, well, doesn't the scripture say, you know, give without complaining? Yes, that's true. So I gave, but I gave because I'd rather have his obedience than that money. Because that money is like garbage to me if I'm not in his obedience. And I know some of you guys are like, I could be doing a lot with that tithe. But I'm telling you, there's nothing you could buy in this world that will ever compare to being in right standing with God. So I need to not focus on my righteousness. Come on, yeah. We need to focus on his righteousness. Here's number four. This will make sense. I need to exchange my contentment for his continual. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So he already said there's value in knowing him. So being that I know there's value in being intimate with him, I want to know him more. Like I want to know this truth, the mighty power that, that rose him from the dead. I want that. And then he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. What? Like, what do you mean? So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So what he's saying is, I want to know him more and more. That my faith is not stopping. I'm not going to be content where I'm at. Some of us have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. And we, sometimes we want to stop and go, that's good. Some of us will take this book and go, I read it cover to cover. And we think that's enough. And God goes, but what if you read it again? Imagine what this word that's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, can speak to you when you read it again and again and again and again. Imagine what can happen in your spirit when you're like, hey, I pray all the time. I've, I've prayed the Lord's prayer. I'm good. Now God goes, I'm glad you're good. Now let's start talking a different way. 
You know what? I sing the songs. I'm set. But God's saying, I want more intimacy with you. I don't want you to be content. I want you to be continual. Because here's what continual faith will do in us. Continual faith will say, it doesn't matter what this world throws at me. You have to understand in Philippians, Paul is in prison and he doesn't know what his sentence is. They may kill him. They may let him go. He's in a waiting period, but he's writing no matter what. Because he says, even death itself doesn't compare to how great you are. Even suffering for you, I'd rather suffer for you than anything else. Because suffering's coming. But I'd rather suffer for Jesus, who brings me peace, who gives me strength, who gives me reinsurance, who brings life into me and out of me. I mean, come on, I don't care what people say about me. Say about my words, say about my, my calling, say about my family. I don't care what you throw at me. I don't care what the world tries to tell me. I have him living in me. And when we start walking in that promise, he is living in me. What can the world throw at me? The resurrection power is in me. If he can, if he can resurrect Jesus, he can resurrect anything he wants. So I'm just leaning on that. I'm leaning on him so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. There's one thing that is great about our Jesus journey, and it's how we keep going. I mean, we should be reading the Bible over and over again. We should be praying over and over again because it's a relationship. I mean, how many healthy relationships go, hey, um, just want you to know, I feel like I got everything I wanted out of you, so we're good. No, we're, I mean, we're, we're still friends. But I don't really want to talk to you anymore. Your friend would be like, wait a minute, there's more to me than what you know right now. There's more to him than what you know right now. Again, God doesn't want just the head knowledge. He wants the heart. He wants the intimacy. But here's the great thing about it. When you know the word and you apply the word, there's power in the word. Come on. There's power in speaking out his word. I heard a preacher say one time, you know why we don't believe in healing? Because we, don't, we speak out our words and we don't speak out his words. So if you're going through something, don't speak out your words anymore. Because here's the reality. Our words are like, help me, help me, help me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But his words have promises. His words have boldness. His words will give us the strength and the peace and the direction we didn't think was possible. And that happens in the continual. And Paul is hungry for it. He says, I want to know you no matter what. Because he walks through this, this position of saying, I'm surrendered to you. We see in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So he's like, whatever the world throws at me doesn't matter because it ain't about me anymore. It's about him. It's about him living in me. So my way, my thinking, my habits, my failures, my everything is dead and I'm alive in him. So this life, we live in this body, we live by faith and God who loved us, who gave himself up for us. And the Jesus journey, that's what God wants. He says, now I've birthed something in you and we need to grow it and mature it. But here's the great thing about maturing your faith. Here's, I'm, I'm just, I'm preaching and speaking from experience. 
when you submit to allow him to do whatever he needs to do in your life, he'll mature you into a person you didn't think was possible. How do I know this? Because 20 years ago, I would have never been up here. Like the worship team would have left, the, the bumper would have played, they would have went quiet, the stage lights would have came up and it would have been nothing. And you would have had to send my wife, pull me out. I'm like, no, no. Like I would have been complaining the whole time, crying not because the spirits moved me, because I'm so afraid. Because I wasn't called to be a speaker. I'm not professional. <laughs> I'm not. Like, let's be real. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I would be terrible. I would make no sense. Some of you guys would be leaving the room in droves. But I've surrendered to what he's called me to do. And it's funny because sometimes God will tell you, this is what the calling requires. And you go, really? Good luck. But then I see this scripture where people say, God, I don't have, a, I don't have the words to say. And God goes, who gave you a mouth? And I had to surrender to that. And that's what happens when we commit to the continual. That God will give you wisdom you didn't think was possible. He'll give you words you didn't think. He'll give you a voice you didn't think you had. He will give you the ability to do what you didn't think was possible. He'll give you a prayer life that's going to mess up your whole family. I mean, men, if we started praying like crazy, imagine what happened to our marriage and our kids. When we went crazy in prayer and, and we brought everything to prayer, I pray about everything so much my kid gets annoyed by it. Oh, you know what we should do right now? She's like, let me guess, pray? Yeah, let's pray. Because I can't, I, I can't do anything. I don't got the money for this. I don't got the time for this, but he can do all things. So let's bring it to him. But that's the reality. That's not just preacher talk. That's got to be believer talk. Like we have to believe that and we have to surrender to that. We'll gain more and more from him when we surrender all to him. Get ready. He's going to make you guys amen like we amen. Because <laughs> you're believing it now. Because you're walking in it and you're seeing it. Here's what I want to close with. I want to close with a story. Uh, maybe some of you guys have heard it. If I bring up the name Nordstrom in exchanges, some of you guys are like, yep, I know that one. And I did find out, uh, our director, Chris, said, I worked at Nordstrom's. That's a real story. But there was a story of a man uh, named Craig Trounce. He was a 60-year-old Nordstrom sales associate in the late 70s. And, and he was working at a Fairbanks, Alaska store when an old miner walked up with two dirty, worn tires. See, the man purchased them several years earlier and was told if they didn't work out for him, he could return them. Now, in 1975, Nordstrom purchased the local retailer Northern Commercial, which at the time it did sell tires. And the man had a case. So on the promise, uh, in that very building, never mind that there was you know, slacks and there's button-ups and there was no tires, Trounce made a priority to do right by the customer. He called a local tire dealer and he came with a fair value for the used worn tires of $25 that he took out of the cash register. Now here's what's crazy about that story. We go, that doesn't make any sense. Why did he do that? And for some of us, that's why we struggle with surrendering to God. We go, but does it make any sense? You're wanting me to let go of everything and let God do, it seems lazy. It seems like I'm not being a Christian when I do that. Like I wanna do things for him. Don't you understand? I read my Bible for him. He wants to be 
in you so that when you read a scripture and you go, oh, like this just came, I just opened my book to this. I did not do this last service. Proverbs 27, two, let someone else praise you. Not your mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Like, that, like when you don't have Jesus and you're just doing it for him, you go, that don't make any sense. But when you realize, oh, it's not my lips <laughs> that praise you. I get praised because of what you're birthing out of me, not what you're doing in me. Again, God wants to work on the inside out of our lives. But it makes, it's still hard for us. Because man, pastor, I've done a lot of good things. Like a lot. Are you saying I should stop doing? No, but just do it in the right order. Don't stop cussing because you feel like it makes God happy. Surrender to God and allow him to have your words in your mind and your attitude. Because can we be real? <laughs> Some of us don't cuss on the outside, but we cuss on the inside. And God goes, cool, that's what I want. I want the inside. So that I can birth real and powerful words out of you. Like that's what he wants to do in our lives. Because we, 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 we found comfort in our achievements, but he has so much more for us. And I know for some of you, you're, you're gonna have the difficulty making that step, but, but I want you to think maybe like the minor may have thought. I mean, let's be real. We sometimes can make this minor in this story look like a guy who's like, nope, nope, I don't care. I bought it here, take him. And maybe he was that guy. But there had to have been a part of him while he was carrying the tires into a store that had shoes and slacks and like super nice things that like a lot of us can't afford. There must have been part of him going like, is this gonna work? If I make this exchange, will I get money back? And that's the reality that God wants us to take. If I make this exchange for who I am and what I do and what I'm comfortable with, will he really birth something in me that I didn't think was possible? There's only one way to find out. I think that's what God wants for a lot of us today. Can I pray with you? So salvation is one of those things. Salvation is making the exchange of my life, which isn't perfect, which has flaws, which does not measure up to how great God is. But I'm going to make the exchange of welcoming in the gift of Jesus, who lived a sinless life, who, who died on the cross, even though it was hard, and even though he got to a point where he said, not my will, but yours. And on the cross, he became the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be in freedom. So salvation is getting to a point where we say, God, I wanna have a relationship with you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, meaning I wanna give you control. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Savior, meaning I'm going to surrender all of myself, all of my sins, so that you can save me and you can set me free from the bonds of sin and death. So if that's you with everyone's head bowed, we're gonna do one of two things. I'm just gonna moment have you lift up your hand and look at me. And that's just a way of you publicly proclaiming that I want that. And then two, we're gonna say a prayer together. And the prayer is saying, now I'm going to profess it, that, that he is gonna be welcomed in my life and I'm gonna give him and make that exchange so that I can have eternal life with him. So no one looking around, if that's you, you're saying, I wanna make that I want today to be the day 
that I surrender my life and start my relationship with Jesus. Can I just have you lift your hand real quick? Thank you, 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 thank you. Come on, let's go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. It makes total sense why God said there's something gonna be birthing in this service because he's birthing things right now. Church, can we say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I give you all my life to do whatever you need to do. I welcome you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's the thing. I love that all of you made that decision to follow Jesus, but this is step one. We want to now, you're welcome Christ in, and now we want to help you mature in it. Because it's one thing to say we need to walk in his promises. For some of us, we don't know where to stop. So Megan's going to come up. She's going to help you on some things we want to help you in on continuing in that Jesus journey. But I'm out of time, time so I just want to pray with you one more time. Can I have you bow your heads real quick? We're not done yet. we got a couple more things. Maybe you're in here. And you're saying, I am a Jesus person, but man, everything you said, that's my struggle. I've been doing things for Jesus and I'm not doing things because of Jesus. And I want from this day forward, I want him to be in me and birth things out of me that will change and transform my life. If that's you, can I have you raise your hand real quick? Love it. Jesus, right now, in the name of Jesus, the name that can do all things, the name that brings power, the name that was brought back from the dead, we pray right now that we surrender all to you. Not some, not a couple things, all to you. And that we would not do things our way, we do things your way. Because Lord, you can do all things. And so we're gonna surrender to that. So from this day forward, when every time we struggle, we say things like, I can't, but you can, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do what you need to do. And that Lord, you give us a testimony that would transform us and the people around us. Lord, you're gonna do amazing things in our city because we surrendered all to you and that you are gonna move in us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast. Chew on that. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Uh-huh.